0: And your Bible probably says something like the rich man or something like that. But let's read this encounter that this dude had with Jesus. And it says as follows Mark 10 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit? Eternal life. Why do you call me good? asked Jesus. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, may I repeat, please? Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for a rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them. May I repeat, please? Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. This is the word of the Lord. In the last weeks that I have been sharing the word of the Lord with you, we have been sharing a series called Encounters with Jesus. And and basically, this is the fourth installment of that series, and I'm beginning to actually open a folder and put all four of them in there, except that the last one, the water walking sermon, is not typed. It was a manuscript. And it was a manuscript because I had all these distractions of my mother and sisters being in town. But the first week that we began the series, we spoke about a lady who went to get some water because she was thirsty. And she went to get water at a time of day that no other people would be hanging around there except when she got to the well, there was this Jewish man who she perceived to have been a rabbi. And this Jewish man was actually Jesus, and he was actually there to meet her. Actually, Jesus went out of his way to go meet this lady because she had a divine appointment with him that she was not aware of. But Jesus was there, and Jesus went there to remove every obstacle possible so that she could come and have a genuine and personal encounter with Jesus. And when Jesus removed every obstacle, she began to throw other obstacles on the road between her and Jesus. And first it was the theological, then it was everything about her life, and she found out that Jesus did not even blame her or condemn her for it, but loved her. The second person that we met in these encounters with Jesus was a, a, a leader of the Jews, actually one of the seventies Pharisees who ruled along with the Romans during that time. And, and he was, he was aware that Jesus was a man from God. And, and Nicodemus, who was, I repeat again, the real Nick at night, showed up at night with Jesus and, and was telling him, Hey, you're good. We know that you come from God. Will you join our revolution? And the man who was testing the waters to see if the man who could walk above the waters would lead the revolution and become the first king of Israel discovered that while he was looking for an earthly revolutionary, he found and he was involved in the most beautiful revolution that ever took place in the heart of men and women in this world, the transformation of a heart from stone to a heart of flesh. And he carried Jesus to the tomb. And he brought spices. Yes, Nicodemus realized that he was looking for a revolutionary, but he found the revolution to have taken place in his soul. Mm -hmm. Lastly, the week before I was out and Pastor Sam came and preached, I was talking to you about a water walker. About the dude who had enough faith and was not afraid of anything, that he stepped out of the boat. Once he knew it was Jesus calling him, he was no fool. Once he knew it was Jesus that was calling him, he stepped out of the boat. And for the first time in history, a regular human being walks on water. And oh yeah, he sank. But so what? He wasn't afraid of failure. He wasn't afraid of doing something that no one has ever done. Because as we remember, there were 11 who were greater failures sitting in the boat doing nothing. Well, he experienced that great moment of walking in the water. Not only once, but twice as he jumped into water back with Jesus. And they both Got back on the boat. What an experience. And we remember that God he may be calling us leaders here at Light of Hope to be water walkers and step out of that boat and leave the ones behind that don't want to step out. They're there waiting for us to get back on the boat. But there's some of us who are God is calling us to step out of our comfort zones and walk on water. Today. I wish to speak to you about this one person, this one kid who who we know as the young rich ruler. And the reason we know him to be the young rich ruler is because actually in Mark, he's identified as a person with many possessions. So Mark tells us that he's rich. Rich. Matthew tells us, because the story is found in the three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew is the one that tells us that he's a young person. So now if Mark told us he is rich, Matthew tells us he is young, and it was Luke that tells us that he was a religious leader, a ruler, perhaps one of the 70s, young, rich ruler. In today's world, that is a recipe for chaos. Yeah, young, Foolish, rich, I mean young, rich, <laughs> but the, can you imagine being in your 20s? Now, if he was rich and a ruler, most likely, most likely he was rich because he inherited that money from his father's death, perhaps. His father may have been a Levite. He was a Levite. He may have inherited a position in the temple because his father may have been famous. So this is the story of a young man who, who is really somebody in town but yet finds himself dissatisfied. Now, this is not a story about Jesus condemning rich people in no way, shape, or form. Jesus does it in some other stories. (laughs) Not in this one. There is some element of that, you know, but not exactly. This is not a story either about poor versus the rich. Not a story about that, though there are some elements of that in the story. This is not a story either about earning or about how to gain eternal life. This is a story about our tendency... And our need to control and pretend righteousness. May I repeat that? This is a story about our tendency and our need to control and pretend self righteousness, which we sometimes confuse with success. This is a story about who is in control, it is a story about salvation and to whom does it belong. Just because we are able to create a fortune does not mean that we can create salvation. Let's revisit the story with me, please. I'm going to do it in three parts. Part one, we're going to discuss the encounter. Who's coming together here? Who did Jesus encounter and who are the characters in the story? In part two, I want to talk about the drama because every story has to have some drama. Somebody's got to be up. you know, There's got to be some conflict. There's got to be an exchange And we'll see that in part two. And then in part three, we're going to see the surprising truths that are going to sip up in this amazing story and lesson of faith. Back to the encounter. We basically have in the encounter, if you have your Bible, is basically chapter 17. When the young person or this man is running to Jesus and kneels down at Jesus and calls him good teacher. Now, the fact that he's running towards Jesus and kneels at the feet of Jesus tells me quite a bit. What does it tell you? Is there some sense of desperation? Is there some sense of urgency? Is there some sense of urgency with holy respect? Urgency with awareness of the divine? And he basically goes and kneels down and calls Jesus good teacher. Now, the terminology of good teacher was only reserved for God. There were many teachers, and Jesus was one of them. He accepted the title of rabbi, but to be equated with good teacher the term good was only applied to God. And that is why Jesus clarifies the young man and says, uh, why do you call me good if there is only one good person, and that is God? This may hint at the idea that the young person may have perceived the divine in Jesus and suddenly asked the question, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven or to inherit eternal life. Now that's interesting. But who is this young rich person? Uh, there is a little known Christian tradition, very little known that you find in some footnotes. And I have here two amazing theologians that I know are gonna be, what? Because I don't know if it was published by the time that they were studying this thing. I'm talking about Reverend Sam and Tino Ballesteros who are here who is here also with his wife Esther. And it's the idea that the young, rich ruler may have actually be Mark, the gospel writer. What? I love those dark alleys to figure out when the light of, the sh- of God is going to shine and show me. That's why I love Ruby Falls that much, that cavern going through there. But... I- For now, we know that this is a kid who's inherited a lot amount of money, who is obviously in power, who is highly trained in religion, who apparently is very self-confident and in control of his life. But with that description, I could also imagine him to be a very powerful authoritarian person, self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-made, somewhat popular in his circle, self-righteous, arrogant, pretentious, condescending and yet very insecure, guilt-ridden, ashamed, and even disingenuous. By the way, that big word, disingenuous, you know what it means? A liar. Yeah. I learned that when I was working with pastors, and you don't want to tell them liars. Are you being disingenuous with me? <laughs> it's nicer than calling somebody a liar, right? But I could imagine this kid being that way. I could imagine that. And he is the one that's coming to Jesus. The drama then comes up. The exchange. What must I do to inherit eternal life? This was the question in his perceived need. Yet he was a religious leader. He was in charge of money. He was in charge of people's morality. And he still doesn't know how He's going to enter eternal life. The amazing thing is that Jesus responds, clarifying not only his position, but answering him with six of the Ten Commandments. Now, why six and not all ten, I wonder. Interestingly enough, the six commandments, if you know they're divided into four and then six. Four have to do with God and our relationship with God. Thou shalt love God alone, have no images, keep the Sabbath, etc. And then the other six commandments have to do actually with interpersonal relationships, me not cheating you, me not lying to you, me not killing you, etc. interpersonal relationships, and these are the ones that Jesus reminds the young rich ruler. In Sunday school this morning, we were figuring out that Jesus knows our intentions, Jesus knows our minds, Jesus knows what we're thinking before we even speak about it, and I told him, we're going to see this in the sermon, and this is part of it, And the young, rich ruler has the audacity to answer Jesus. I have actually obeyed all those commandments since I was young. Really? Come on, people. Really? He was never a teenager? He was never a kid, you know, around the block? Really? I mean... I'm Come on. You're going to stand before God himself, Jesus Christ, the one who he called, God, teacher, and says, I am okay. I've done all that. Wow. Is that self-denial or what? Is that self-righteousness or what? What was wrong with this kid? He couldn't see himself. He couldn't see where he was at. He was so blinded with his own glory, with his own power, with his own authority, he couldn't see what he was lacking Really? I don't believe it. I don't think Jesus believed it either. Mm -mm. Jesus could see right through. Right? He was like Superman, right through. He could see our thoughts, he could see our intentions, even before. Come on. But Jesus and his love, and this is the amazing thing, that it is at this moment that this one phrase appears in all of the three narratives of the story. It doesn't show up in any other one. Only Mark has this one little phrase. But he looked at him and loved him. Loved him. Jesus knew he was fibbing quite a bit. Jesus knew he was lost in his own self-righteousness. And yet Jesus gives him therapy. I love the variety of therapies that Jesus does. Jesus loved him. Jesus understood him. That's from his perspective, because I don't think any other writer could have picked on that. Only on the understood person, only the guilty one whose shame is taken away, only the guilty one whose shame is removed, only the guilty one who experiences the forgiving, loving eyes of Jesus Christ can actually say these things. And he looked at him intently and loved him because he knew now knew what real love was about. He now knew what love was about. It was unconditional. In spite of his fibbing in front of the master, he was loved and accepted. But the Lord gives him a wonderful idea. He says, okay, buddy, since you've done all that, plan B, Uh, why don't you sell everything you have Give it to the poor. Now, Jesus could have also said, Why don't you give everything that you have to the poor? Right? It's easier. A lot easier. But I think Jesus realized that this young, rich, foolish, arrogant young man needed to actually sell every one of his electronic devices. (laughs) He had to detach himself from that phone, he had to detach himself from that iPad, man. And, give, and sell it, and give the money to the poor? Whatever happened to this young man? Well, many don't really know. But the story continues, and when the young man leaves sad, actually Luke, doctor, who was a doctor, uses a terminology in the Greek that as we study that, Terminology, it is the medical term of the first century for depression. His face was down. Mark also uses it. But that was a term for sadness. I can't do this for powerlessness. He was stripped. I can't do that. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, uh, well, you know, he gave the speech about the camel, and it was all to illustrate that this young man believed he was righteous and he was everything okay until he encountered the Lord and the Master, because it is not a story about rich and the poor. It is a story about who is, to whom salvation belongs. And when Jesus tells the story of the camel going through the eye of the needle, whether the eye of the needle is a portico in one of the gates, whether Jesus is literally using the eye, of the... doesn't matter. It's difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It no doesn't matter what it is. It's difficult. Actually, when the disciples say this is impossible, the teacher smiles because they got it. They got it. Because what it is impossible for human beings speaking, it is possible with God. So salvation belongs to God, not to our efforts to gain favor with God. It belongs to God. What happened to this young, foolish, rich ruler? Well, in the Gospel of Mark, Doctor, could you please go to chapter 14? There is a very peculiar two verses in there that do not show up anywhere else in Scripture. And no one ever makes references to those Scripture verses. It's Mark 14, 51-52. And and, and let me tell you what's happening. Jesus has been arrested here. Jesus had finished his meal with his beloved brothers and sisters who were with him. At the upper room, he goes down to Gethsemane. He gets arrested, and right there, there is that little verse that says, "But one of his followers, who only wore a coat, a coat or a cover, ran away, took off his coat, and ran away naked." Hmm. Will you indulge me? Will you allow me to play my imagination here? I wonder if this kid who walked away from Jesus, who had the task of of selling everything he had and giving the money to the poor because he was going to make treasures, I wonder if he eventually got the guts to take walk out of that boat, step out of that boat and walk on water and start selling his stuff to the point that he sold everything except one coat. And he began to follow Jesus. And yet, when Jesus is arrested, the dream goes away. But he was around. He may have seen Jesus resurrected. Actually, if he was rich and he was from a family of Levites, there is a character in the New Testament, the book of Acts, that's called Barnabas, who has a nephew who's called John Mark, who spent two years with Peter, who is the writer of the gospel. And John Mark is the son of Mary, whom Peter hangs out in her house and teaches there in the book of Acts. And when John Mark introduces, when Barnabas introduces John Mark to Paul, Paul invites John Mark to go with him in a mission. But in Galatia, things got tough. And the same kid who ran away from Jesus as he encountered Jesus, the same kid who ran away from the arrest, maybe the same kid who now is running away from the difficult mission that Paul had encountered. Just indulge me in these few seconds as I say, could this have been John Mark? Who actually comes has a a Hebrew name and a Gentile name, Greek name, of Joannus Marcus. Whose uncle was actually Barnabas from Cyprus, who was a chief of the synagogue in Cyprus. Who was a very wealthy man whose sister Mary had become widow and the son was now in charge of the affairs. Could he have been this young rich ruler who actually sold everything, gave it all up, to now be known as one of the, actually not only one of the gospel writers, but he who invented the new literary genre called the Gospels. I wonder If that rich, foolish ruler may have discovered that what was humanly speaking impossible, it wasn't with God. Because with God, everything is possible. What impossibilities are you finding in life? What kinds of things you need to sell, get rid of? to follow Jesus with freedom? And do we realize that we can never earn our favor from God and salvation because it is a free gift offered from God to us in Christ? Because what it is humanly impossible for us, it is not impossible for God. Amen.